Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast and today's study Saturday where we have another sermon by Pastor Harlan Gatzinger, also known as Skip Gatzinger, from St. Paul Lutheran Church in Ottawa, living in the aftermath of the Ascension. Good morning. In the name of the one who is and who is now and who will always be Jesus Christ, our Savior, King, and Lord. Well, the incarnation... God taking on human flesh was just such a miracle that for God's people, when they learned of it, like Simeon in the courts, his heart was so filled with thankfulness to God that he was overwhelmed. The Mount of Transfiguration, that was downright awesome. The Resurrection, the greatest single example of God's love for fallen, rebellious people that, that humans could ever possibly want to experience and know, thanks to the power of the Holy Spirit working that truth in our heart. That was absolutely breathtaking. But this ascension, this ascension is totally, on every level, mind-blowing because of where it has led us. You see, we have been allowed to follow Jesus right back into heaven through John's revelation this last Easter season, and what a blessing it has been for us. And this morning, we are confronted with a scene that is not your Sunday school picture of Jesus. Oh, no, 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 no. No, when Christ returns at the end of all time, that is going to be a fulfillment of a promise that the two men dressed in white made to the apostles, made to the disciples on the Mount of Ascension. And their promise to them was that as you see this Jesus ascend into heaven, in the same manner, he will come back from heaven. And this is precisely what we see in this 19th chapter of the book of Revelation before us this morning. And that very first verse says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. John never tells us here in these opening verses of chapter 19 that this rider is Jesus. But since we've been following along for the last six weeks, we know that John in the opening chapters of this, his book was instructed by the Spirit, and he saw in the vision that in that context, Jesus was called this faithful and true one. So what does it mean for us that Jesus is faithful and true? Well, it all depends on who hears the message, whether this is going to be comforting news or whether this is going to be terrifying news. Do you recall back when God the Father led the people of Israel out of Egypt, from their, out of their slavery from Egypt, and he told them this, I am a faithful God, keeping my covenant of love with a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandment, but those who hate me, I will repay to their face by destruction. What does that mean for us? Jesus the faithful is coming back. And when he does, he is going to fulfill every single promise that he has made to his own. The most important promise was that promise that by his death, our sins have been paid for. And because of that, 
those who trust that that is the facts, man, that that is the new relationship with God, man, those who trust that Jesus is our only path of salvation, God the Father is going to give them the gift of life, the gift of eternal life. But he is also going to fulfill all of his promises that he has made to his enemies. Deny the king. Despise the savior. Reject the gift. And Jesus is going to be faithful to his word as well. And in his justice and in his righteousness... He will be left with no alternative to sentence those who have denied him and despised him and rejected him to an eternal life reserved for the devil and his evil gang to hell. This idea of faithfulness, we need to keep this idea in mind because the scene before us this morning is not your Sunday school picture of Jesus. No, it is the picture of a warrior king who has just come from destroying his enemies. He is waging war in righteousness and justice. Who in all the world, whose heart can escape the all-knowing, all-searching eyes that blaze like fire? Who can evade the one who wears multiple crowns on his head, signifying to us that he has the right and he has the power and he has the authority to judge his justice on everyone and anyone who would dare despise and deny and reject him and disobey him. But for we, his children, we who have graciously been made his children, We have absolutely nothing to fear because his work on the cross for us and for that greater world of people that don't even believe it, like Pastor Thompson was teaching you in Bible class this morning, Jesus died for them as well. That work on the cross was complete so that when Jesus takes his blazing eyes of fire and he searches our hearts. He does not see rebellion and denial and despising and rejection and sin. He sees the new heart that he has created in us. A new heart that he continues to feed and purify and teach and strengthen by the power of his almighty word Faithfully, as he promised that he would. You know, for we mere mortals, it's darn right almost impossible. It's very difficult for us to imagine what faithfulness to his promises cost him, meant to him, encompassed for Jesus, because he's made so many promises to us. And it seems as though that's precisely what God the Holy Spirit is trying to communicate to us when he had John write down. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. 
You know, there are a lot of names for Jesus, and we know most of the popular ones. Christ, Messiah, Redeemer, Emmanuel, God with us. And since you're kind of doing a catechism class review with Pastor Thompson in Bible study in the morning, well, another catechism class review, what, are the, what is the name of God? Answer, it's any noun or verb or adjective or ad- adverb, any word in the Bible that describes God. So it's not just Messiah or Christ or Redeemer or Emmanuel, it's grace. God's name is grace. It is chesed, faithful love. It's kyria, mercy. So we do know a good deal about our God. We know that he is, he is the resurrection and the life and that he is faithful and true. But if you and I ever presume to know all there is to know about God, well, we're just being foolish. There's no way that we can. You see, because now we see the reflection that he has revealed to us in his word. But when he brings us home, using the words of the prophet Job, then we will see him with our own eyes. Then the longing of our hearts will be fulfilled. Then we will see him face to face. Then, then and only then, we will know him fully. There are two great teachings in the Bible. It's not the Old Testament and New Testament. Those are the two great parts of the Bible. There are two great teachings in the Bible. There is law and there is a gospel. And as with almost every story in the Bible, this one especially, there's two sides to the scene that is before us this morning. Imagine if you would, Jesus at the end of time has returned. He is sitting on his throne of judgment And Satan and his evil gang approach Jesus and they ask him, Lord, is it true that in your justice you are going to condemn us to hell for eternity because of our wickedness and our rebellion and our rejection and our despising and trying to soul by soul pick apart and destroy your kingdom? Is this true, Lord? And Jesus could truthfully answer, You have no idea. But for those of us whose trust is in this salvation that Jesus has won for us on the cross and won for us in the empty tomb through the resurrection, we too might just as well ask him, Lord, is it true that in your justice, You are going to bring us home with you to heaven where we will experience joy and happiness forever and we will never ever sorrow ever again. And he will be able to truthfully answer us. You have no idea. John depicts Jesus in this vision as riding on this white horse and his gown has been dipped in blood. And so that leads us to the question of whose blood is this anyway? Well, the context makes it very clear that the blood is from those of his conquered enemies. 
And it means that as the ascended Lord, Jesus still defends us from to this very day when he comes to us by the power of his word. That's the second time we've heard that message. He comes to us by the power of his word and he strengthens us and he keeps us in the one holy Christian faith, the una sancta, that the communion of saints, he keeps us as his dear children in his family. But you see that blood in your mind's eye, all dribbled at the bottom of his gown. And and it's easy for us then also to think about his own blood that he poured out for us freely in order to win the victory. But we need to remember something else this morning. We need to remember that he also won a victory right here. You see, when kings went out to war, it was not just to vanquish. It was to conquer. When Jesus broke the power of Satan on the cross, his whole goal was to conquer you, to win you back from sin, death, and hell. And now as the ascended king... He continues to watch over all things for your eternal good. And he continues to work through his mighty and powerful word to strengthen you and defend you and to keep you safe until that day when he finally brings you home to heaven again. Jesus tells us that, or John tells us that Jesus is also the word of God. That's actually one of his names. So Jesus is, or the word of God is not just a message. It's also a person. You see, God's word is not just comfort and strength for the Christian, but it also defends the Christian against God's enemies. John depicts this word, this this word weapon, coming out of Jesus' mouth. This is not a puny three or four inch Boy Scout pocket knife that is coming out of his mouth. No, this is a Greek ramphaya. This is a sword that is about three feet long, made of the finest steel of the day, sharpened razor sharp, and it is two-edged on either side. This, coming out of Jesus' mouth, this word, This is a weapon of war, right? But I wonder how many times we just don't view it as being a ceremonial sword. Huh? You know that you have one somewhere in your house. The Bible I'm talking about. Coffee table, collecting dust, bookshelf so it doesn't collect dust, side table, underneath a doily so it doesn't collect dust. But I got to ask you, when was the last time you actually opened that Bible and you actually studied it? When was the last time that you dug into God's word and you weren't just avoiding or you weren't just digging through for the the gospel sections, but you actually let that sword of the word actually cut your sinful nature and you ministered to yourself with that word? How quick are you to reach for that word of life? 
when your own doubts and fears are rolling around in your heart and your mind. Because there are two great teachings of the Bible. One is law that condemns us to hell forever. And the second is the gospel, which is the love and the mercy and the grace of God to us shown in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so with this scene as well, there are two sides to this power of God's word. It is a two-edged, powerful sword. It is powerful enough to destroy his enemies, but it is powerful enough also to win salvation for his people. We have confronting us this morning a scene that is not a Sunday school picture of Jesus, not in the slightest. It's a rather fearsome picture of a warrior king who has just returned from conquering and slaying his enemies on earth. And in chapter 20, which we heard two weeks ago, he is next going to take Satan or the devil or that great serpent and put him into the abyss and lock him there for a thousand years. And lest somebody tell you otherwise, that thousand years in the Bible means a long period of time. For us, what it means is we are in the last days now. This is the thousand years. Okay? So for the children of God, you have nothing to fear here, even though he is a picture of a fearsome warrior king brandishing his sword because this king is your king and the enemies that he destroys here are your enemies the victory that he has won here is your victory yes it is true he has gone before us in his ascension to heaven but he is still faithful and true What that means, as a ruler of the universe, is that he is always going to be with us through his powerful word. And he is always going to strengthen us and defend us through his powerful word and by whatever means he needs to move heaven and earth and his history in order to protect and defend us. And he is going to do this and keep his promise to you until he brings you safely home to heaven. Know this. Know this with confidence. Because this is the hope, this is the truth, and this is the life that your gracious Father in heaven has given you through this walk through the book of Revelation this last Easter season. Jesus, the risen and ascended one, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, is your king. He is your savior. Amen. Please rise.